we pick up um, with two dots on the bottom of Memtadam um, and we are wrapping up the discussion of the um, of the uh, uh, of the um, um, of the Nisuch HaMayim. So this parak has really been one where we deal with the collection of the mitzvot that apply on Sukkot where we had Lulav, which we obviously knew, but then we elaborated on ones that are Mikdash-related. We had a Rava, obviously an element of a Rava outside of the Mikdash. And then we had um, um, Nisuch Hamayim, which has been a very a dominant uh, Mikdash ritual, which is going to continue in the next part with the Simcha Space HaShoeva that uh, was done the preceding night. Um, here we are, though, wrapping up the aspects of the uh, Nisuch HaMayim. And it says that they would do the same thing they would do on the weekday. They would do on Shabbat, except on the weekday, they would draw the water from the wellspring on Erev Shabbat. Um, and they would fill it up and uh, put it in, in a barrel, and then they take it from that barrel on Shabbat. Okay, the so, the yes. The, I'm sorry? The Nisuch HaMayim was in the day with the Tamit Shachar, together with the wine libations of the Tamit Shachar. But the Simchas uh, Pesach Shoeva started the night before, and it was like partying through the night. This is what we're going to read in the next parak. And then it led through the morning, through the was accompanied the drawing of the water, and then come, taking the water into the basement session, doing the pouring of the water. So it was a previous night celebration that, you know, led into the next day's yeah, the other line. No, this wasn't a done at night. It was just a celebration in anticipation of it and so on. The avoda was done in the, the day. Is, yes. The avoda was done with the Tamil Shachar, the pouring of the water with the Tamil Shachar. Right. Okay, so now the uh, last mission says the following. Um, let's take a look. Uh, okay, Kamasei Bechok. So they would do the same thing on the weekdays that they would do on Shabbat. Or they would do on the same thing on Shabbat they would do on the weekday, except, as I said, they filled up this barrel, and the gold barrel, the Mishnah says, but it says, Eina Mikudeshes, a non-sanctified gold barrel, and the water would sit in it until they could draw it from it the next morning, but when it was already in the Mikdash. So, Vyamai, why says the Gemara, Nesi Bimikudeshet, why not just uh, have a sanctified gold barrel? Why does it specifically have to be a not sanctified one that it would be sitting in? So, because this town is of the opinion, there's actually no exact amount of water. Yes, we do three lobes, but it doesn't have to be precisely three lobes. And sanctified vessels sanctify even un- without intent. What does this mean and what are these two factors? So it means the following. The normal principle is that things, that, as opposed to like livestock, li- livestock, which have to be slaughtered to be sanctified, um, to reach their highest level of sanctity, to do shatagoof, something like, let's say, inanimate, like a mincha, is um, sanctified when it's put into a vessel, when it's put into a klisharet, one of the temple holy vessels. Um, now, um, is anything, and what is one of the significances of that kedushatagoof, as opposed to just sanctifying the flower verbally, is that once it gets that, it's at the full level of the korban, which means that if it stays overnight, it's lina, right? Then it's like lotalin, you know, letting your corpus stay overnight, and then it becomes invalid. If it's taken out of the base of mikdash, it's invalid. So that is relevant once it gets kedushat haguf, where for inanimate things, basically means once it's put in a klisharet. So the Gemara's point is, if the barrel was sanctified and you filled up the water, it would become sanctified as Kedushat HaGuf, in, intrinsic sanctity, you know, of its essence, and therefore it would become invalid by the next morning when you actually needed to use it. Okay, so just say that. Why do you have to say Shalomidas? Why do you have to say that there's no minimum amount? Well, Shalomidas is clear why it has to say, because maybe you could say, look, maybe the cliche should only sanctify when I wanted to sanctify the thing that's in it. If I intentionally say I'm drawing this water from the, from the wet, from the uh, spring here, but it should not be sanctified because I'm going to need it tomorrow morning, so maybe it isn't. Maybe if I designate it that way, it won't have that effect. No, nope. the very fact of it being in the klisharis imparts that sanctity, even if that was not your intent. Even if your intent was the opposite of that, that's shalom da. So you'll be stuck. The water will be sanctified. It will become invalid Friday, you know, um, over Friday night. Well, then what's the point of saying ain lo shir? Because you could say another point. Okay, fine. We're not going to go with your intent. We're going to go with the objective reality. But if the objective reality is that the water needed for the libation is three logs, and in this here klisharet, you can tell it's a klisharet because it's so fancy and everything. In this here klisharet, you have five logs of water, 
So then the objective reality is that it's not the water that is, you know, ready to be used in the ritual. Meaning, yes, you could get the water out of it. It's not that it's, you know, it's too much. It's not that it's not enough. But nevertheless, the whole idea of a Klisharet and the whole idea of the Kedushan HaGul is it basically says, like, this is about to be offered up. You know, this is in the state that it's not just been sanctified verbally, it's really in that state of about to be offered up. So if there's too much water in here, and you say, okay, fine, your intent doesn't matter, it'll work shalomidah, but it shouldn't be sanctified because the objective reality shows that it's not ready yet, that this isn't exactly what you need. This is five log, it's not three log. So that's why the Gemara says, no, also, ain't lo shi'ur. Although we do three log, technically, it could be any amount, and therefore, the objective reality is once the water is in here, it automatically becomes sanctified, no matter how much there is, no matter if you don't want it to be sanctified, and therefore, we can't do it the day before because it'll become invalid by the next morning. Okay, so now let's see what the, how the Gemara continues. Okay, the Imaisig Mizmukudeshet, and therefore, if you bring it in a sanctified barrel, um, um, and you'll have it stay over the whole night, if Suluhu Belina, become invalid by Lina. Okay. Now, by the way, Tosus asks a very good question. There's a big Tosus here. Part of the Tosus deals with this issue of, like, well, the basic Tosus deals with the following question. Why do you have to say it's possibleina? As soon as I go out to draw the water from the, from the wellspring, I'm outside the base of Mikdash. So if that was a sanctified vessel and it all happened automatically, then it's immediately possibleyotse, because it's outside of the temple environs. So Tosus says, all right, all right, there's an obvious answer to that. Which something cannot become sanctified out of the base of Mikdash, right? Once it, you can't say, ah, you're, you're already sanctified and you're Yotze. <laughs> Let me first be in the base of Mikdash and be sanctified, and then I'll be invalid once you take me out. So, okay, one of the things you would need for this to work is not just to be in the Klishites, but it be in the base of Mikdash. But once you bring it in, then you're stuck. Then it'll become invalid overnight. Okay, that's Mar's answer. Chizkiah, Mar says... No, actually, you're wrong. Actually, you can manipulate the situation so it won't be sanctified. The vessels will not sanctify unless you want them to. Okay, so if you specifically stipulate, or maybe in a Stam case, but if you specifically stipulate, this should not be sanctified when I fill it up in this barrel, it won't be sanctified. So you're fine, you could use it the next morning. So then why not use a, nor, a, a, non, a, a sanctified barrel? Why didn't it be a non-sanctified? Obviously the understanding is, you know, since this is a temple ritual, and, uh, you know, it would be more appropriate to use a sanctified barrel. So why not use one? Just stipulate it shouldn't, it shouldn't sanctify the water, uh, you know, until the next morning. So the Gemara says no. It's rabbinic, it's a concern. People won't know what's in your mind. People will think that you had intent to sanctify it. And then they'll say, look, they sanctified it, they used a sanctified barrel, and they're going to then use the water the next morning. So you see that even once something is sanctified, you can let it stay over till the next morning. And that'll lead to a lot of mistaken acts and mistaken understandings. Okay, so that's his answer. Amar Abzera, now Abzera, Amar Abyana, Amar Abzera, Abzera in the name of Abyana in the name of Abzera, so it goes even further. Even if you say there's nothing to be worried about. Number one, it won't sanctify without your intent. Number two, there's an exact amount of the water, three loads. So the objective reality, somebody looks at it and will say, you know, forget the fact that they don't know what's in your head. They'll just, you'll say, look, they should objectively know that it can't sanctify. We'll see there's way too much water. Nobody will think, oh, it obviously already was sanctified. There's, there's, you know, 10 gallons of water here. Nobody's going to think it's red yet. So therefore, what's the concern? Even there, there's a concern. Why? What's the concern? People won't know why it was filled. People will say it was filled for the Kohen to wash his hands with the next morning, or the Kohen Gadol, because, you know, the normal Kohen would wash it by the sink there that would have, have a well going down, a bucket going down into a well. But the Kohen Gadol, they would have this uh, more special thing. They would sometimes draw water for him to wash his hands. So there, there is no minimum for water. So you might think there's nothing to be concerned about, right? A, A, you, you, uh, you need intent. B, it's a huge amount of water, and nobody will think that it was the right amount for the Nisuch Hamayim. You still don't want to do it because people won't always have all the facts. 
and people will think it was for the Kohen Gadol, and therefore they will, um, they will think, look at that, the water was drawn, it was sanctified, and now they use it the next morning. So there's a range of different concerns about under what circumstances will the water be sanctified if it is more, and you know, and, and if it, you don't have the intent for it to be so, you have the intent for it not to be so, and whether or not it's a clear agreement is that if it's more than is what is needed, it won't work because the objective reality is not ready. But is there really, although we have a certain amount, we do the Nisa Kamayim, is there in actuality a, a precise amount or not? Okay, and now we get to the last line, which is, if this water you drew the day before um, spilled or was uncovered, um, then um, you ha- you uh, then obviously you can't use it, and you have to draw the water from the well that's basically in the Beit Hamikdash, even though it's not flowing water. So the Gemara is going to speak, uh, focus on the idea of uncovered. What is the problem? As you might be aware, in the Mishnayot, there is, not here, but elsewhere, there's a prevalent concern of uncovered liquids that cannot be drunk. The Gemara explains that it's based on concern that snakes drank from it. Let's take a look at the end. There's poison in it. Let's take a look at what the Gemara says about this. The Amai says, Gemara, why is it? Why not just take this water that you, was uncovered and we can solve the problem? Have it pass it through a sieve and the sieve will take out the poison. So, maybe our mission is not like Reb because there's a debate whether you can use a sieve to solve the problems of uncovered liquids. Um, you have a sieve that's over water. The water is still considered to be uncovered and it doesn't solve the problem. When is that true? If the bottom thing where the liquid is contained is uncovered, so even though there's a sieve above, some snake could still have had access to it from below. If the bottom vessel, apparently you would put, there'd be a top vessel which would contain the liquid, and then it would sort of like uh, when you make uh, like filtered coffee, you know, there'd be something top which would hold it, and then it would slowly go down a sieve. So he says into a bottom vessel. So he says if the bottom is covered and the snake only had access to the top, it's no problem because as it goes down the sieve, the 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 poison will get filtered out. Okay. A filter. A filter. Yeah. Well, I don't think they had a filter with micro holes at the time of the Gemara. What? You're right. Okay, so you're right. A sieve suggests larger holes, right? Okay, so a filter is better. Okay, so it's a filter. Um, Okay. So, um, even though the top one is uh, is uncovered, there's no problem. Why? The poison of a snake, um, it's like a it's like a, it's like a sponge, um, and it'll float at the top. So I don't exactly get the sponge analogy, other than that a sponge uh, floats on water. But anyway, it'll be filtered out by this filter. So anyway, so according to Reb Nechemia, why? What's the problem? Just pass this water through a filter. Even according to Reb Nechemia, it would be a problem. You couldn't use this water. Anyway, when does Reb Nechemia say that you can use the water for a commoner? For God, would he ever say such a thing? To lay the Reb Nechemia, you think Reb Nechemia doesn't hold of the pasuk? Is this the type of thing you want to offer up to your, uh, you know, to your officer? Like to a, a, a you know, a, high, a person in high position? Will you find favor in your, will it find favor for you? Will it cause, you know, your, uh, your lifting up of your countenance? Amar Shem says, God, is this the type of thing you want to bring to God? So, even if technically it's edible, we don't bring things on the altar that are not able to be eaten, but it's not the type of thing that is acceptable on the altar, certainly not a thing that we're doing this whole major ritual we're not going to take something that was like you know that was in such a lowly state so therefore we don't want to offer it now before we end I want to make an interesting point which is two prokim ago or whatever the third parish introduced Lulav and Esra and you know that's opened also you might remember with a positioning Lulav as a type of a korban right you might remember the discussion of why is the stolen Lulav invalid is because it's, um, you know, it's the mitzvah of the Aver, very nice, but how does the Gemara learn it out from? It learns it out from a pasuk that says, 
is this the type of thing you want to bring to God? Something stolen, something lame, something, you know, something sick, okay? And particularly sort of positioning to this coming. Here you actually are dealing with something that's a korban, that's the water that is brought, right? But basically you have lulav and esrog, and then you have the aravos, which had a whole mizbeach ritual as well, right? And now you have the water, and it's being bookended by two, by two psukim that in the opening of the third pack and the end of the fourth, that are talking about, you know, how do we present these types of things to God? What is appropriate to be offering to God? Not only are they on the same theme, guess what? They're both from um, Malachi Parakalash. And if you take a look at uh, what? Now, with your so did you recognize that they were both yeah. from that? Yeah. So look at that. So um, to me, that was a big chiddush. So okay, I said, oh wait a minute, those sound like the exact same point, doesn't it? Like you know, and the other one was Well, actually, it is the same point because they're both coming from the exact. Not just happen to be in the same barrack, but they're actually both coming. I mean, that's exactly what that barrack is saying. I mean, you know, God is sort of complaining about the uh, people and uh, you know and how they have despised God's service right so it says like so here's the pasa um, you know God says you bring all of this stuff you say no big deal really is that the type of thing you want to be bringing to God and then it says, you know, and then obviously the next post, not the next, but then it's talking about that have everybody is going to be bring, you know, my name is so great, and look at how you treat me. And then it says, whatever. Um, so, etc. So it's really uh, a little bit in the whole part of Klola, so it doesn't evoke necessarily positive associations when you realize the full context, but, you know, if this is ultimately, if Sukkot is us drawing close to God and continuing this theme of Yom Kippur, right, and the Zulam Yerava and all of this is this sort of like, you know, this, uh, this whole offering up even outside of the Mikdash, in a way, these rituals are. I think it's very powerful, you know, the way it sort of pulls together all of the, uh, everything we've been learning in the third and the fourth parak and talking about what is this sort of ideal way to be offering up to God and offering up our best to God, which is the theme of Sukkot, right? You have all of your success and all of the best and then you put, and then you appreciate that and you give thanks and you rejoice before God. Yes. So, you want to say this idea of mind and belief maybe has more to do with being contaminated than being, you know, Unsavory rather than dangerous. That's more more of the aspect of being examined here. Because what do you mean? Well, would you really drink water that uh, that filtered, you know, that, that you thought filtered out the snake poison? Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure. Right? Because you're afraid there's still a little bit of poison in it. Yeah. Right, so you're, but the question you're saying is what makes this inappropriate? Is what makes it inappropriate the possibility that it's still a little poison? What makes it inappropriate is that it had to go through a process of being filtered and right. that makes, right. I think it's the latter, right. The poison is not an issue. Exactly. So I, you're right, I agree with that. I think that that's exactly the point. Like, somebody, if you took water that was basically wastewater, I mean, I think some of our drinking water might be this, but if we were more aware of it, you know, water that really had all this disgusting stuff in it, and somebody promised, don't worry, we go through the whole process, 100% pure right now you will actually you can believe them about that but it's like ah, I'm not going to drink that stuff so anyway Charlie will tell us that actually is what we probably drink well, <laughs> it's not wastewater but it's unfiltered uh, well okay so, yeah. I was wondering about the whole idea of my medulla in general how much that is part of it no because that really treats like a strict isser not just as something like you know people wouldn't want to but that's a separate portion itself in my okay so so that is the end of that parent and as I said, nice way of pulling together the third and the fourth parak, and again reinforcing a theme that we've seen conti- continuously reinforced: the whole idea of mikdash in the context of sukkah, even those aspects that are not in the mikdash. Okay, and now we turn talking to mikdash, the fifth parak, which is about the simple space hashoeva. And as I said, this <coughs> is the party that began the night before and ran through the entire night to lead up to the drawing of the water that would take place in the morning. 
Okay, so Chaliyoh Chamisha V'Shisha. The playing of the uh, of the uh, Chaliyoh, which is the like recorder, is that what we call it? Flute is five days and six days, meaning sometimes it'll be five days, sometimes six. But the musical instrument is really what that represents that were played for the Simchas Beis HaShoevah. Zewa Chaliyoh Shel Beit HaShoevah. This is the Chaliyoh that was played in the Beit HaShoevah. You would not play the music of the Simcha on Shabbos or on Yantub. So therefore, what would that mean? You would draw water seven days, the seven days of Sukkot. The Simcha would begin the night before. So the night of, the first night of Yantub, you would have maybe a Simcha Beitha but you would not play the musical instruments. Okay, so that's one day less. We're down to six. If Shabbos was the first night of Yantub, the other six days you would do it. But if Shabbos was during the week, you would not do the whole thing the night before on Friday night either. Not only that, as we just learned, there wasn't even a ritual of drawing the water outside of the Mikdash and bringing it in on Shabbos because of the caring issue. So it would not take place on Shabbos and it would not take place on Yantar. So it could be either five or six days you would have the music for the, of the Simchat Beit HaShoevah. Let's take a look at the Gemara, top of Nun Amadet. Itmar was taught, Rav Yudav Rav Eina, Chatani Shoeva. One here is Shoeva, the drawing water of the water, which makes a lot of sense. That's what you would be doing. As I said, it would be a procession that would lead out. The Chatani Chashuva, which is interesting. Shoeva Chashuva shows about an oral culture. If it was written, you could never get that mistake, right? But one, but one version was Chashuva. These. Simchas Beis HaChashuva, which is funny because what's Chashuva? The Simchas probably Simcha Chashuva. So it would probably not be Beis, it would be Simchat Bait HaChashuva, right? As opposed to Simchat Beit HaShoeva, this would probably be Simchat Bait HaChashuva. So, Bechatani Chashuva. So, Amar Marzutra, Either one is not necessarily, you know, this isn't corrupt and that isn't corrupt. They're both good versions. So one of those Shoeva is not a corrupt version. Yeah, the whole idea of joy in the drawing of the water, you know, that obviously, that Pasuk is going to be a major theme throughout this uh, discussion. That is, uh, means that that's why we do it and that's the joy about this whole thing and that's about the Shoeva, the drawing. This is a very important mitzvah. It comes from the six days of creation. So two interesting things to say. First of all, in terms of the drawing, Ushavdem, a Tosus quotes a, um, a um, image or a, a metaphor, a symbolism rather, that is, um, that is uh, you know, I think very prevalent in thinking of Simchas Pesha Shoeva, and he quotes it from the Yushami. So if you take a look at the Tosvos, I'm really a mess today. So, so. Sometimes you just having one of those mornings. <laughs> All right. I have to just hope it doesn't seep in. Save my computer. Save my Gemara. Did I save my computer? Is the question. So, thank you. Computer is not even coded. Yeah, yeah, good point. So it won't sanctify the coffee that just spilled <laughs> on it. All right, thank you. The Makati Shalom Dab. So Tosa says, Chatani Shoevab, Yushami Mufares, Shemisham Shoavim, Ruach Kodesh. From there, the, you draw the uh, divine, you know, spirit. Shashrina Shorem, he told Simcha, because the Shrina resides amongst joy. Okay, so it says that the symbolism of this is that the drawing on the divine presence and, you know, that sense of the overflow, the, the you know, of the Shefa and so on. Now, that's very interesting also because... You know, seeing it symbolically, of course, it is very important, the whole idea of water. You know, in an agricultural society, you know, obviously this is key to their success and, you know, to their, to their well-being. 
but you know it's a, sometimes I guess a little bit harder for us to relate in Israel it's not so hard to relate but it's a little hard for us to relate about you know the whole sort of water in the literal sense as that being the, the big thing and also what's the connection of Simcha you know Simcha is about the joy maybe of the previous year but what's exactly the Simcha of praying for water for the following year or symbolic at, things to show you know to, 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 to beseech God for the water why is that exactly Simcha Simcha might be about the success of the previous year so thinking about the water symbolically is very powerful because as we've been talking about the whole theme you know starting from Rosh Hashanah but particularly Yom Kippur entering the Kodesh Kadashim, the Sukkah Anane Kavod all of this as we just mentioned the Mikdash theme and all of this sense about bringing in you know God's presence into our lives for the following year like the drawing of the water and the sense of the closeness to God leads to joy and joy also brings about the closeness to God so seeing this all very symbolically about God's presence you know is very powerful and very powerful in terms of tying into the theme of Simcha so that is in terms of just the Shoeva and the symbolism now in terms of this Sheshet Yimei Breshit what does that mean that this is a thing that's been around since uh, Sheshet Yimei Breshit so if you take a look at Rashi Rashi says Damrin and Le'el because we said just yesterday um that the caverns were created underground for the purpose of the water. Now that's a little, for the purpose of the libations. Now that's a little bit funny because first of all, as you remember, there was a debate whether they were there were underground caverns, even if there were, whether they were man-made or naturally made, God-made. Number one. Number two is also that you know mo- most of the mostly it was for the wine, right? Those caverns, you know, the, the libations that went into them were wine libations. It was only one week. It was the water libation. So, I don't know, every day I have a simple space for Shoeva because of the caverns and the wine. So, it's a little funny exactly connecting it to that. Um, what I would suggest, not necessarily, div- you, know, you know, that it contradicts Rashi in addition to Rashi, but whatever, what I would suggest is the other idea that if you have, look, it says, the, it says how, how many days would you have it? Number one, let's just point that out. You would do the libation seven days, but how many days would you have the simple space for Shoeva? Six. Five or six. But let's say six would be the max. Well, you have six and sheshit may brashit, first of all. And if you think about water, right, right way at the beginning of the Masechet, one of the earliest learning derivations of the idea of schach was that schach represents anane kavod, but then it learned from the pasuk of the eid yalem in aret. Fihishka et kol, you know, at what's the pasuk? of eid yalem in aret, fihishka et kol, what? At kopenei hadama. So, about the cloud, which is Anani Kavu, but not learning from the Anani Kavu to the Midbar, learning from the original cloud that rose up in the story of creation and gave water to the world. So, if you think about it, I would suggest that what this is evoking is the whole creation motif. And water, obviously, I mean, God, water starts right at the beginning of creation, right? Because by Tova Vo, you know, Aretz Vemayim and all of that, and the water motif here. And of course, this is also Briata Olam, is this period of the year and the beginning of a new cycle. And that, that's sort of like a joy in terms of, you know, obviously, there's a, uh, that brings us back to the water. There's a Bakasha element for the water, but there's also a joy in the nature and in the world and in the natural world and in all of this that God has given us. So I would suggest that that is the, you know, it, that it was already, that it's Chashuvah Mishesh Yishimei Breshit, pulling up that other theme of what's going on here with the whole uh, focus on water. Um, okay, so let's see now as the Gemara continues. Tanu Rabbanan, HaChaliel Dochet HaShabbat. The, uh, the Chaliel, the flute, overrides Shabbat. Uh, that's the words of Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda the sages say not only does it not override Shabbos it does not override Yontif which it seems to be our Mishnah Rabbi Yosef says one minute let's be clear here nobody thinks that the party the Simchas Shoeva, you know the musical instruments for that will override Shabbat the issue that it might uh, musical instruments might override Shabbat is the song that they sang to accompany the bringing of sacrifices. So basically, here's the rule, that with, um, you know, with every, uh, with all of the, sac- first of all, in general, because we are talking about the Nesachim before, with all sacrifices that were not sin-related, not Chathas and not Asham, you would bring Nesachim, okay? You would bring wine, 
sacrifices. By the sacrifices that were communal obligatory sacrifices, which basically would be the morning sacrifices and the, like the morning and the afternoon, the Tamid and the Musafim on the day that you would have a Musaf. So with communal obligatory sacrifices, <coughs> at the time of the pouring of the Nisachim, you would have the Shear the shear that the Levi'in would sing. Now, it would only be done during the pouring of the wine because, this is actually interesting because it has implications in other areas of lacha, ain't shira el al-hayayin. So an idea that song is over wine, which is basically why the basis of why we have rituals that are done over wine, like saying Kiddush over wine and Abdal over wine. That idea, by the way, of wine is giving significance to it and is ritualizing it, you know, is very important because most of the rituals we do over wine, the regular ones are in the Gemara, Kiddush and Abdallah. But most of the other ones that we do, or all the other ones that we do, are not in the Gemara, but were adopted soon afterwards at the Gaonic period because of how they give sort of weight and ritual significance. So the fact that you use wine at a bris milah, the fact that you use wine at a wedding, you know, all of this is not in the Gemara, or, you know, the two cups of wine, Eresin and Isuin, all of that is, um, is post-Gemara. Gemara has it as Kiddush, Havdalah, oh, and Birchat Hamazon, depending on if you think you need it for Birchat Hamazon. Okay? Anyway, that's Shiralayayin. So when they did the wine libations during the communal obligatory sacrifices, there would be the song of Levim, Hashir Shalavim Hayu Amrim, right, which we say every morning, which would be done at the Tamid, Tamid although we only say the Shachris it was done at both of them okay so that's the Shear now with that Shear you would have some of the some of the Levi'im singing and you would have some of them playing musical instruments so here would they play the musical instruments on Shabbat that's the question so what so what um, who is saying who, who is it that is saying this I'm sorry uh, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda is saying no not Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yosef is saying is that this discussion of do you play the musical instruments on Shabbat is not a discussion about the party that you'd have on Sukkot that would not be musical instruments on Shabbat or Yom the issue is the real song, you know, song and music that would accompany Korbanot that is the, you know, that's like the real Corbin-related, directly Corbin-related, and there the question is, would that override be done even on Shabbat? So let, let, let's, say, let, let's just read this. Uh, okay. So how does that map on? The share that accompanied the Korban. Rabbi Yossi is of the opinion. The fundamental shira is with a musical instrument. Meaning, when the Torah says, when there's, the Torah doesn't say it explicitly, when there's an idea that a Korban has to be accompanied with song, it doesn't mean with song, or it doesn't mean with music. So that's the debate. Rabbi Yossi says the primary thing is the music. The avoda here, and therefore it's an avoda in the mikdash. Although it's not a full avoda because the levim are doing it, but okay. The dochet has Shabbat, but that would justify it overriding Shabbat. So, can you play the musical instruments when you do the shira that you normally do with korbanot um, at the time of the korbanot? Can you do it on Shabbat if the music is central? Yes. The music is just an accompaniment. That's not central. What's central is the song. The, what's said in the mouth, the oral song. The lava vodahi. And the music is not really central to the avoda. And therefore, the enodoga the Shabbat cannot be done with, uh, with Shabbat. On Shabbat. But the whole music and singing that was done around the Simchus Deis Shoeva from the night before, not talking about at the thing that accompanied the bringing of a korban at the moment of the bringing of a korban, that it's just joy. It's not an avodah. It's not. It's a joy that accompanies, you know, or that's done whatever to build up to an avodah, but it's not part of the avodah. Okay, simchahi ve'enadokhat Shabbat cannot override Shabbat. So our Mishnah that says it was not done on Shabbat, not done on Yom Tov, is what everybody would agree. The only one that would suggest that it's done on Shabbat and Yom Tov would be uh, what the thought that is done at the time of the korban. I want to say two things about that. One is, first of all, it's it, you know uh, suggestive to associate the idea of the shear by the korbanos with the idea in the Torah that has something like that, which is the chatzot the trumpets. Right? Except the Chatzot wrote, the Torah says, it's Biyom Simchatchem Ubemoadechem. 
you know, Barashay Chatechem, who's Chatemba Chatechem, not every day. The Shir was done every day. As a, you know, the Tabi Shil Shachar, Tami Shabbat, also the Musaf. But that, so it's not the same. And actually, when there is Yantav and Rosh Chodesh, you would also have the Chatechem. But because the Chatechem are in the Torah, they are, and first of all, who, you know, Mosh, you know, it's, you know, sort of Moshe made the Chatzot, well, whatever, forget it. Because the Chatzot are in the Torah, they are real Avoda, and guess who plays the Chatzot's route? Any guesses? No, it's a real Avoda, so it's done only by the Kohanim. Only the Kohanim can do the Chatzot's but, but, not only, by the way, can the music that's done with, for the Levi'im, be, um, be uh, what do you call it? Be done by Levim and not Kohanim, which shows that even when the Gemara says it's an Avodah, it does not mean the full sense of Avodah. But the Rambam Paskin, Ikar Shira that the music is just an accompaniment. And therefore, the actual central thing of part of the Avodah is the song. And guess what? Because the music is an accompaniment, you know who else could do the music? Not just Levim. Even Yisraelim could do the music. So it's quite fascinating that, you know, we... Sort of, it's important to get those ideas straight. The Chatzot which is in the Torah, only the Kohanim. This idea that the Avodah, it's actually the idea that it's an Avodah, is it's one of the Avodot of the Levi'im. That's actually where the place the Gemara learned it from. The Levi'im are said, you know, Avodah, uh, uh, what is it? Avodat Manat Avodat Matana. But anyway, one of the Psukim of Avodah um, by the Levi'im, the Gemara says, oh, that means, what is the Avodah of the Levi'im? At the, in the Torah, it was carry, you know, you know, carrying the Mishnah. But post the Torah, what was it? So the Gemara says, the Levi'im primarily have two Avodot. They, 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 they watch the gates of the Mikdash, and they do the song. Okay, so it's an Avodah, but it's an Avodah of the Levi'im. And which is the Avodah, right? It is either the singing or the musical instruments, and that's what's being debated here. Okay, so here you get this question, right? Is it the singing, is it the musical instruments? And that's where it would determine whether the music would override Shabbat, but that's only the music being played with the Korban, not the Simchat Teshavah. One other important point, which is, what is the big deal here? Playing music on Shabbat is, right, just a rabbinic concern. Right, you maybe you'll come to fix it, whatever the issue is. What do you mean, override Shabbat and so on? And Tosos actually struggles with this, because Tosos says, other Gemaras make it seem like it's a complete non-issue playing the music instruments on Shabbat. Like whether you can ship a peg, ship a clee. The whole thing is a rabbinic thing, big deal. We normally say, we don't worry about rabbinic uh, issues about Shabbat in the Mikdash when it relates to the Korbanot. So what's the big deal? You know, and therefore... Maybe you could say the opposite. Maybe you could say, no, actually, uh, they're debating maybe even some of the space that show you should be allowed to do it on Shabbat. Again, if all it is is the rabbinic concerns. So it is interesting that the Gemara sort of heightens the concern around the playing of the music and says that there would even be a debate about it even at the time of the bringing of the Korban, where Sosa says in other Gemara, it's like a non-issue. Of course you would do it. Okay, Dove, you had a question. Uh, Dove L. No, yes. no, Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Um, okay. Um, Amar Rav Yosef, says Rav Yosef, where do I get this from? That this is what they debate about. That they debate the, the, the uh, music instruments that would accompany the, the uh, pouring of the wine of the Korban. Um, if you have uh, holy vessels in the, in the Mikdash, right, uh, the service vessels technically but whatever the, 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 uh, we just referred to this before the sanctified vessels that you want to use in the various avodot in the mikdash okay. what if they were made out of wood normally obviously they're made out of silver and gold what if they were made out of wood Rebbe Posel Rebbe Yosef Rebbe Udamashia Rebbe Invalidates and Rebbe Yosef says it's kosher now you might notice it's the same Rebbe Yosef Rebbe Yehuda here who says kosher Rebbe Yosef Rebbe Yehuda before said that you could oh, play you, that, the mu- that the music overrides Shabbat Okay, so he's going to try to connect these two Rabbi Yosef Rebbe The music overrides Shabbat with that a klisharet can be made out of um, wood. What's the connection? So let's take a look. So he says, um, I got a great shot, he's saying, to link these two debates. Look, this is what they're debating about. This issue about can you have a holy vessel made out of wood? Reman de Machshir, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehudu says you can have one of the clay charade out of wood. Savar Ikashira Bekli. He says, look, when the when the Levi'im play the musical instruments, that is 
the key. The key, the central avodah of the Levi'im is the playing of the musical instruments, not the singing. Okay, so big deal. The Afina me'abuva de Moshe. Well, let me tell you. Have, how many musical instruments have you seen that are made out of metal? Okay? <laughs> what would the musical instruments be made out of? If you've got a, a, a flute, what do you think it's made out of? Wood! Or reed, or something like that, right? So, metal flutes? All right. But anyway, not, as, presume, not the ones they would use. Uh, are they? Okay, fine. I, I was the, I was the, all right, all right. I was making a point. I didn't mean non-exist. But the assumption is that they would have a flute, that the primary flutes other Gemara say would be wood. You can't even coat them with metal. So he says, well... If you think that that's the real avoda of the Levi'im, is the music instruments, then that's a klishares, made out of, made out of wood. Mm-hmm. Okay? And therefore that should teach you that klishares can be made out of wood. Uman um, Parsio and Rebbe, and that links with Rebbe Yossi Bebuda before, that said that you can do it on Shabbos, because he thinks the music is the ikar. Uman Parsio, the one who invalidates Rebbe, Savar Ikashir prepared. No! The, prim- the avoda of the Levim was, their primary shear was the song. The, and therefore, the music instruments were not ikar to the avoda Levim. As I said before, even non Levim could do it according to this idea. And therefore, they were in a klishares. And we don't learn out from Moshe. Again, Moshe goes on saying goes way back. You know, from, and we don't learn from, Mo, from Moshe's flute. So here, here he's, what he's saying is, I got a great explanation and it maps onto this other debate of Rebbe and, Reb, and Rebbe Yosef, Rebbe Yehuda, which is the debate about can you have wood cliche rate? Everybody will assume that we had wood musical instruments. Were they cliche rate or not? That depends whether Ikashira Beteh or Ikashira Bekli. Ah, so look at this. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, who says that it was a music, uh, that who I understand is saying that we can say that the, that the wooden musical instruments teach us that klisharis can be made out of wood, is the one that says you can play musical instruments in the Beit HaMikdash on Shabbat, because he focuses on the music. Yes? I'm not an expert in Kodesh. Yeah, I didn't explain that phrase. I didn't explain. <laughs> there you go. I didn't. Ex- maybe. No. Well, I don't know. All Rossi says. I I didn't. Ex- it's a beautiful image, but we just. Yeah. I right. That's true. Well, we also had. Don't forget, we had two prokin before Ashera de Moshe. So maybe from we took from Moshe's Asherah, we took some wood. My point being that Mo, it doesn't mean that it literally was his. It means like biblical, going way back. That's at least the way Rashi explains it. Okay, Rashi's what? And used during his time. Right, and used during his time. The the clear meaning. Uh, let's try to find what is in Rashi. The, pre- the, the type of Khalil prevalent in his time? Rashi says, Vavuv Moshe. Okay? It's the same way we talk about like Asherah de Moshe. Okay? Yeah, but it is a nice image. But that, that says that Moshe would play a flute? That there was one flute from days of Moshe that was crafted from a reed that were leaves in the temple and then they wanted to play it with gold. All right, we're, right, right, right. We're, okay, very nice. Yeah. All right, so let's continue. So that's what he says. I got a great shot. And it's all about this question of um, is Iker Shira Bepeh or Iker Shira Bekli? And therefore, they're not debating Simchas Beis Shoev on Shabbos. They're debating the general musical instruments that would come with the Korbanot on Shabbos. So the Gemara says like this. Lo, that's not necessarily the debate. The Chulayama Iker Shira Ikashir Bepeh, everybody could say that the real, um, excuse me, Ikashir Bekli, everybody could say that the mu- that it is, the, you know, the, the primary avodah of Zulvim is the music. And therefore, we do have wooden klisharais in the musical instruments. So what's the debate? Here the debate is whether you learn out uh, something that po- has possible alternatives from something that did not have possible alternatives. Meaning, the reason the musical instruments were made out of wood was because they needed to be they needed to be made out of wood to create the type of music that they wanted to create. Okay, so there we would allow it to be out of wood, but any other vessel could be made out of metal. That's F- so that's Efshar. That uh, so the case of the music was E Efshar. You had no alternatives, so you were allowed to do it out of wood. That doesn't mean in the case where you have alternatives that we can use that 
as a precedent, okay? So um, believe me, as a uh, you know, as a as a dean, I always, I know how students like to look at any situation as a precedent for what they want to do, even though that situation had special circumstances. That's the debate here. Don't even answer me, Yeah, that comes up. Yeah, very much this question. Yeah, man the one that says you can use wooden vessels holds. You can apply a case that's a, that has no alternatives, you know, and say, but nevertheless, we're going to make a precedent out of it. It tells you a principle. The principle is you can learn out, you can have wooden uh, clicharates. So even you can learn a case that has possible alternatives from one that had no alternatives. Uman de Pasil Savar, and the one that invalidates says, Well, you can't learn out cases where you have alternatives from cases you didn't have alternatives. It does not set a precedent, it does not set a rule. Okay, so that's one possibility. The E by Seman, if you want, I'll tell you. Everybody could hold that basically the Avodah Lovim was the music. And you did have wooden clichés. But you know what? That's irrelevant. Everybody could also agree you cannot learn out cases of possible alternatives from ones of no possible alternatives. Everybody agrees that the, wo- the, the fact that they used wooden, wooden musical instruments and will acknowledge that they were clichés does not, ne- does not, does, is completely irrelevant to the question about the other clichés. Okay, so then what's the debate about can clichés be of wood or not? The hacha, here the issue is, um, what can we learn from the menorah? The menorah is also being treated here not as just like furniture, you know, as part of the, the, uh, the building. It's a type of a cliche race. It's the clea that you use to do the act of hatlaka. And, you know, again, it's a little funny because you wouldn't think it's the same as this type of movable stuff. You know, it has a sixth place. But okay, it's a... And the, the, the question is, that was made out of metal. Can you what, what what the Torah tells you about all the all the types of vessels that were made? You know, basically were metal or coated with metal at least. So what can you lo- you learn from the menorah as a paradigm for other klitsharets? You could say what you learned is that it all has to be out of gold. But what alternatives did you have by the menorah? What bidyevit could you make the menorah out of? Some people might be familiar with the story. It's even in the book of Maccabees, if memory serves, that when they entered into, the, the, the Hasmonaim entered into the Mikdash, they used their spears. I think it's in the book of Maccabees. They, they used their spears to be, you know, their iron spears to make an ad hoc menorah. So it doesn't have to be bidyevit out of gold. What alternatives do you have by menorah will tell me what are my range of possible clay charet. How do you learn it out depends on your hermeneutics. There are two hermeneutics, klal and prat, or riboy emiut. The basic way that these will work, and I'll give you the example by the menorah, might as well, because that's the exact example we're going to look at, okay, which is yasita menorah zahav ahor, so that's just called, okay, right, nikshah teaseh menorah, which has sort of doesn't give you any limits, so that's considered to be a more general statement, okay? So that's general, and this is specific, and we're going to also say that I think it's the verse that is We're in the first general, Vasita Menorah. Okay, it's very, it's very, like, not clear how we can always claim that some things are general, you know, statements, but okay. So we say general, specific, general. By the way, so a better pasuk for this, I'm going to use this as an example because we're talking about it, but a better pasuk for this is by brought by Charlie's favorite mitzvah, Meiser Shani, where it says, here's a real cloud. And that's a Taha Kesef, anything you want! Okay? So anything you want, right? Oh, but I mentioned all those things in the middle. So what does that tell me? Really anything? Can I buy a house with it? Can I buy a suit of clothes? No, I said, by yayu, by sechar, by bakar, by son. I don't mean anything, anything like that. So that's the problem of when you say a general and then a specific, what are you really saying, okay? You know, I give the example, say, you know, you know, what do you want for dinner? Uh, you can make me anything, a steak. So, <laughs> what did I really say? <laughs> hey, really anything? Or, you know, okay. How about if it was a hamburger? Okay, that's good too. How much is it really just the last thing or the fact that I started by saying anything? So, that is the question. And the, there are two basic different approaches to the hermeneutics you use here. Okay, Klav Upras says 
that klal uprat, prat means we are being specific. We are being specific. So that means that even if you open with a general statement, by the time you get to being specific, that's really what I mean. Mm-hmm. I really mean it's that this is the explanation. When I say anything, I don't mean anything. When I say anything you want, what I really mean is the list that follows. Okay? So the clause, that's what you get at that thing. That's aim the klal elamash of prat. Okay, there you're limited to there you're limited to the problem. What I never understood was why do you need the Then you don't need the cloud. But what you need the cloud for is when you get the next cloud. When then it says, Because then when you get another cloud, let's say I say, what do you, what, what, what do you want for dinner? That make me anything. A steak. Really anything. Okay, but so now, so okay, I decided we're going to have a salad with salmon. I, I, I don't want to say <laughs> Look, we're going to have it stand. We're not going to have steak. We'll have, like, I don't know, uh, hamburgers or something. All right, that's also good. So when you get to a general, even though you're saying anything here and anything here, what you really need is anything like the thing in the middle. So qual, pride, qual, it becomes anything like the pride. Okay? So that is that principle of the qual of pride. the paradigm for what you... Exactly. Now, as opposed to, that's one way of doing it, as opposed to one that answers the question Dove is asking, which is, this, okay, I sort of get it, but when you're just at this qualiprat stage, you don't understand why you needed to open with a general statement. So the, the other principle is called riboy umiut, okay, which means it's, the word here is, is limiting. It's not prat, it's not specific, but it's limiting. Riboy is generalizing, this is limiting. So this, basically, at stage one, gets to where this got to at stage two. This says, when you say anything, a stake, already there, because you open by saying anything, you mean anything like the thing I'm about to say. So this already says, like the, you know, like the specifics. That's what mute means. It's limiting, but it's not being specific. It's not saying exactly this. It's more limiting by giving examples, but it really already means anything like the specifics. So what happens when you get another reboy? So why then, and then afterwards you said, and really it could be anything. So the combination here means that it's anything except what is completely different. Except what is completely different. So it's com- according to this, right, in my lovely example, if I said, you know, if, you know, anything, a steak, really anything is fine. So okay, hamburgers is okay, chicken is okay, but if we're just having like salad and tofu, like no. That's not, okay? <laughs> That's the reboy you'll be in a reboy. You can really be, already here you were talking about anything similar to the example, and at this stage, it ha- you're, the only thing you're excluding is something that considered could be completely different. So let's take a look now how that plays out in terms of the menorah. So it says like this. Yeah, so it's four, we have two minutes, okay? So, b'meiruf menorah b'chlali prate o b'reboy u'miyut k'miflagi. Rebbe Darish Klali Uprati. Rebbe does the Klal and Prat approach. Rebbe Yosef Rebbe Yehuda Darish Rebo Yumiute. The Rebo and the Miut. Rebbe Darish Klali Uprati. Yasita Minorat. Klal, which is a push. Zahav Tahor. Prat. So general, specific. Mikshate Yasea Minorat. Chazar Viklal. So then it's making it general. Klal Uprat Uklal. What do you do when you get that trio? Yatadan Elekena Prat. By that principle, all you're at yet is stage two. It has to be similar to the specific example. So what's similar to gold? It's a metal. Metal. That's all you get. It has to be metal because you have to be similar to the specific of gold. He does the other hermeneutics. Not specific, but limiting. That's the general. That's limiting. So already, as for him, you're already saying anything like gold. For him, you're already at the idea of metal by, by, the, by stage one. So the, and then it says, beaten, you should make the menorah without any specific. Now it's more general. So you have general, limiting, and general. So So the last one is pretty much including anything. So my Rabbi, what's it including? Rabbi Komili, it's including anything. My Mi'et, the only thing that it's excluding is something completely different. Mi'et Shelcheres, you can't make it out of pottery. But wood, right, that you can make it. And therefore, according to this, because of a different hermeneutics, he would say you can use Klisha but it has nothing to do with the question whether Ikashira Bepeh or Ikashira Bekor. Okay.